Thank you, Angie, for this. I was actually thinking, should I use another mic? Okay, today's scripture reading is from John chapter 5, verses 1 through 17. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Amen. Thank you. Um, so I'm not just here to introduce our speaker for today. Uh, I'm not sure if everybody's aware of this, but we have a pastoral internship program here at New Mercy. Uh, we've had a number of people go through this program. One of the reasons why we do this is uh, we feel like seminaries, they don't always do the best job in preparing pastors uh, to become pastors. Uh, in fact, the statistics of pastors who burn out and eventually leave the ministry is pretty high. And so one of the things we do through this pastoral internship program is we give them experience, we apprentice them, uh, and, you know, we, we try to help them see what ministry is about, give them some more tools and some more experience. Uh, and this year we have a pastoral intern. Her name is Pastor Bobe Lee. You might have seen her around here and there. Uh, this is going to be her first message, not only here at New Mercy, but in her entire life. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to uh, the first message that pastoral interns give at our church are more testimonial sermons. So I'm really looking forward to hearing a little bit more about her life. Uh, she goes to um, Alliance Theological Seminary right now, and we're very thankful to have her. So please, let's give her a nice round of applause as she comes up. Hello. My name is Bobe, but you can call me Bo if that's easier. But I like Bobe, but Bo is fine too. Anyway. Um, I'm the pastoral intern here, like Pastor Key um, introduced me as, and I'm really excited to be here. I think I've met a good amount of you, but there are a lot of you that I don't know, and there's a lot to me. There's a lot more to me than what you see on Sunday morning. 
Um, so before we get into it, let, let's just pray. Let's just bow our heads to pray. Um, Father, we thank you so much for today. Lord, this is the day that you have made. And Father, I pray that we would have a heart of just joy and rejoicing in the fact that you gave your only son for us, God. Um, and as we hear your word and as I share my testimony, Father, I pray that that your will be done, that, that through my story, through the things that you have done in my life, that it would inspire others as well and lead them closer to you, God. Um, yeah, so we, I just thank you so much for today. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Just a little bit about me. I am the first daughter of three girls, so my dad lives with four women. Poor guy, all month long, he has to be, you know, really paying attention to our sensitivity. Um, what else? I moved here from Korea when I was eight years old, and I've been here ever since. And I'm about to become a citizen, so whoo, yay, America. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, you know, pretty much it. I like movies and, you know, coffee, black coffee, just so you guys know. Anyway, um, so today's, today's scripture is a story about Jesus healing this disabled man. And um, he tells him to do three things. He says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And Jesus finds the man by this, this pool known for its healing. And if you read in your notes section of your Bible or any commentary, it'll tell you that People believe that at this pool, an angel of the Lord would come, stir it up, and the first person to enter that pool would be completely healed. And this man who had been ill for 38 years, he was waiting a long time at this pool because he wanted to be healed. And he believed that by going into this pool, to be the first person to go into this pool, he was going to be whole again. And, you know, he had some serious perseverance because if it was me, I would be like, I don't know if I'm even going to make it. And after about the fifth person that goes before me, I'd be like, peace out. I'm done. I can't, I can't wait here. I got to find a different way. Because if I stay here, then my life is just going to be like this forever. And I just can't live like this. Um, and there are so many times in my life where I felt like, my life was just going to be this thing of like misery and just sadness and sickness over and over and over again. And it's actually something that kind of like stuck with me when I was going through a really hard time. This saying of my life is going to be like this forever and I have nothing, I have no control over it. Um, and this thought, it all came during my college years. So freshman year of college, to junior year of college was probably the most difficult and the most defining time of my life. Um, everything around me, my church, my family, and my will, it was just falling apart. Um, and these three things, they were the pillars that were holding me up. But I had no, I felt like I had no control over what was happening. My family left our church on a really bad note. And then our family was doing really poorly financially, which caused a lot of tension in our house. And I was just dealing with my own junk, a lot of depression and a lot of like suicidal thoughts. Um, and I just felt like everything was hopeless. I had no hope and I just felt like this perpetual loneliness in my heart. 
Um, and, you know, it was like, I, you know, I'm the first daughter, right? I have to be this big sister, a good role model for my sisters. And because I was going through all of this, I actually just kind of became this person that you wouldn't want to follow. My, I pretty much set the example of don't live like this person <laughs> during these years. years. And I felt like whenever I took a one step forward, something pulled me five steps back and it just, it just wasn't working. Nothing, nothing was working. So eventually I just kind of became this like black hole of nothingness. Just apathy was the only way I knew how to deal with everything that was going on. Cause if I was to feel everything that was going on, then I'd probably die. <laughs> um, yeah, but nobody really knew because I, I became really good at hiding it. You know, when you become ashamed of something, you become really good at concealing it and making sure that nobody finds out. Um, and I thought if people found out how messed up I was, that they would be disappointed and that they would leave me. But one of the ways I hid all of this was through partying, which is very typical for a college girl or a college student. And if you guys know Rutgers University, that's my undergrad, that's where I graduated. Whew. <laughs> or if you know any college, you just know that that's the best place to have the worst kind of fun and then get away with it because there's no consequences. Nobody really knows because everybody's doing the same exact thing. And it's also the best place to hide your pain because everybody's either like too drunk or too high to even like realize what is going on. So during this time, it was just me. I, I just sat in this like cesspool of my own pain and my own sin. Um, and I try to do things to make myself better, like going to KCCC, Campus Crusade for Christ, going to therapy, sleeping, going to church, and other things that my friends were doing to get themselves better. But I really just was not getting better. Those things were not working for me. But, you know, having grown up in the faith, I knew that my answer was God, that God was going to do this. But I didn't want to give up my old life. And how many of you guys know that, like, God doesn't want halfway from us. He wants a full commitment from us. But I wasn't willing to give that to God because in some sort of sick way in my brain, my hurt and my anger that I was experiencing was a good enough reason for me to rebel against God. Now, I would try to go to church and I would attend, you know, KCCC, the campus crusade, campus yeah, KCCC. <laughs> and I would pray during like praise and prayer time. And I didn't really have any other words than asking God, saying, God, I don't really know who I am anymore. I'm so lost. And you need to fix me because I cannot do this anymore. Um, but then I go out again, do my stuff, continue living my life, pretending like nothing was wrong. Um, because I thought, I always thought, like, ever since I was little, God has bigger things to worry about than me. You know, there's world hunger, there's terrorism, people are sick, and my, these problems, 
God doesn't have time for that. He's got bigger things to attend to. But, you know, God really totally proved me wrong. Um, my friend, she asked me one day during my junior year to come serve as a teacher at a youth retreat. And all the kids who attended youth retreats know that when the kids go to sleep, the teachers, they hang out after and they get food. They get Wawa hoagies and they get Popeyes, the fried chicken. And it had always been on my bucket list to be a teacher. So I can get my own Wawa hoagie and my piece of fried chicken and hang out. That was my goal. And when she asked me, I was like, oh yes, I will go. I don't care what kind of state I am in. I'm about to check off a bucket list, you know? But, I mean, it's kind of stupid, right? <laughs> but um, even though I wasn't in no state to lead a group of high school girls, I knew that this was God's way to calling me to himself. Um, and even though I had been away from God for so long, I knew that everywhere I had been looking before was not the right place. And this was where he wanted me. And so when I went to this retreat as a teacher, I should be praying for the students, but I was a little bit selfish or a lot of bit selfish. And I pray for me because, you know, sometimes in your faith, I think you have to be selfish because no one wants healing or restoration for you more than you. No one can want that for you more than you can. And, you know, things always get in the way and life is always happening and it never stops for you just because you're hurting and broken. But God does. God stops for you because he sees you. He sees you in your joys and your triumphs, but he also sees you in your brokenness and in your hurt. And, you know, in our passage today, God knew he was going to meet this man. He knew that he was going to meet this man, and he knew what kind of brokenness this man was living in. And just the way Jesus saw this man among all the invalids at the pool, and just the way God knew how to bring me to my knees, Jesus sees you, and he desires us to come to him, whatever it may cost, because everything we're looking for comes from Jesus. And so this man, for 38 years, he wanted to be healed of, healed of his illness, but he was looking at the wrong source of healing. You know, Jesus asked this man, do you want to be well? And the man only answers what he knows, which is, I can't get into the pool. And when I was reading this section, I kind of heard, like, him throwing serious sass <laughs> at Jesus. Like, sir, I don't think you understand this situation right now. I cannot get in because there's nobody to help me. And I'm just trying so hard right now. But, you know, I'm sure he didn't say it like that. But in my brain, I thought that. Anyway, and, you know, like, why would he hang out there if he didn't want to be healed? He's obviously hanging out there because he wants to be healed, right? And I feel like sometimes Jesus asks these, like, Captain Obvious questions. Like, you want to be healed? Of course I'm sick, right? And... Most of the time when he responds to the person's answer, it totally wrecks them, right? And so, you know, when this man answers Jesus, it reveals what he desperately desires. But it's obvious that he didn't know that Jesus was going to be the one to give him the healing. And so Jesus, you know, he says, get up, pick up your mat, 
and walk. And this is so significant, I think, because it reveals God's desire for how he wants us to live out our lives in our healing, in the way he healed us. Um, Jesus doesn't just say, get up. Oh, look, you're healed. So I'm going to go and move on to the next thing. You know, he doesn't say that. He says, you pick up your mat and you walk because you don't belong there anymore because I have healed you. And, you know, I think had the man, like, left his mat there, he would have every reason to go back to his hurt, to his suffering, to his sickness. But Jesus tells a man, pick up your mat and walk because you no longer have a place in that darkness. And it's time for you to move forward. And, you know, Jesus just, he doesn't just stop for the man at that moment. He reveals himself later in verse 14, and he says, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And this truly reveals who Jesus is because the authority of salvation can only come from God. And Jesus, as the son of God, God gave him that authority to do so. Um, yeah, so at this retreat, for three nights, I confessed my sins, and I asked for forgiveness. And, you know, no sin, no, co no confession is ever pretty, but God really met me in my ugly, in the most ugly. Um, I was probably the most unlovable at that moment, but God in his grace and his mercy, he told me that he, Jesus died on the cross so that I didn't have to live as a slave to my misery anymore. Um, so after that encounter at the retreat, I thought I had experienced my biggest Jesus encounter, right? That this whole season of walking with God after that retreat was going to be my best one yet, ever. Because he would just reveal himself to me through visions and just through other people and in my prayer. But, you know, after a while, I just kind of felt like that wasn't enough. Like that God wasn't done with me, but I didn't know where to look or I didn't know where to go from there because I couldn't live on my past to fuel my right now, to fuel my present relationship with God any longer. Um, yeah, so many years passed or a few years passed. And not too long after, God sent me to seminary. And that's not the answer for, like, to look for more with Jesus. But that just happened to be the answer or something that I received from God. And whenever I told my friends who graduated from my school, Alliance Theological Seminary, that I was going there, they were like, you're going to be so wrecked. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, I'm going to seminary. Isn't seminary supposed to build my faith? build me up as a minister and like, you know, make me like a pastor. But they were like, no, it's going to wreck your life. And so when I went in there, I was really surprised to see, like I was really curious to see how the school was going to wreck my life. But, you know, like now I'm in my second year and I like totally know what they're talking about. <laughs> it's because um, last winter, I took this class called Working with People, and it was an intensive class, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., sometimes 6 or 7, and we would, it was a four-day ordeal, just straight commitment. 
And in one of the classes, we went to watch a movie called Fences, and it starred Viola Davis and Denzel Washington. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's pretty okay. Um, <laughs> but eh? but um, I was online to buy my ticket, and my professor happened to be in front of me. And so I was like, okay, I'm waiting, whatever. And then he turns around, and he goes, I want you to tell me your life story in 60 seconds tomorrow. And I was like, oh, gosh, what am I going to say? And he totally ruined the movie for me. But it's okay. It's a good movie. And so I was like, how, like, why would somebody ask you, like, why would they ask you like that to tell you your life story, right? And I was like, what do I tell them? I'm from Seoul. I moved here when I was eight. My sister, I have two younger sisters. My dad's a butcher. Like, what am I supposed to tell this guy? But I just felt like, you know what, I'll say what I say, and I'm scared what I'm going to, I'm scared about what I'm going to tell him, but it's okay because God's got this. So the next day in class, our first break came, and I waited to the last moment to talk to him. And I, I started talking with him, and I told him about my life. And I realized that everything I shared with him was about my past hurts, as if those were the only defining moments of my life. And although God delivered me from my darkness, I was still holding on to this like old identity of hopeless Bobe. Um, but when I realized that, I was so determined to change that fact, that, like, that mindset that I was hopeless, because I wasn't anymore. God had brought me out of that. And so I was determined to change that when the next time person, somebody asked me, I would tell them that it, I'm not broken anymore, that God had brought me out of this place, and I'm walking as his daughter. And, but even getting there, that was, that's a challenge. That was a new challenge that God had given to me, which I was looking for to further my relationship with God. And, you know, we're really good at admitting that we suck, that we're not very good people, that we're so broken. But we're not very good at living in the grace of God and admitting that God's grace was so good that he delivered me out of this place. But, you know, I think when I realized that was how I defined my moments in my life, I was sad because I felt like God was sad because I felt like God he always wants to restore us, and he desires for us to walk in our identity as co-heirs with Christ and into a life of freedom. And he doesn't want us to be bonded to our sins anymore, but he wants us to be freed by the blood of Christ. And I wasn't experiencing that. And so that started like a new journey for me. And that was another moment that I had with Jesus that I hadn't really experienced in a long time. And, you know, whenever Jesus does something remotely cool in the Bible, the Jews or the Pharisees, they're always around to say something. They've always got something to say. They always want to judge him, right? And this time, they persecuted Jesus for healing this man during the Sabbath, which is the rest day for the Jews. And, you know, Jesus wasn't concerned about these people. If you ever, like, read the Bible and look at how he interacts and or how he responds to these people, 
you know, he, he doesn't care about their laws. He doesn't care about those things. Jesus responds to them in verse 17. He says, my father is always at work to this very day, and I too am working. See, Jesus isn't afraid of opposition when it comes to doing things for his people. And he certainly isn't bothered with any laws when fulfilling his duties as the son of God. And, you know, I think, I think we need to remember, yeah, there's suffering and God didn't say my life was going to be the best thing ever after I became a Christian or whatever. But life does get better with Christ. And it's because he's still working as God is still working to this very day and this very moment. And God isn't done with us just because we get that one crazy Jesus moment in our past. God, he, he continually, he wants to continually reveal himself to us, to love us, and to lead us into our destiny. And, you know, I'm quickly learning that um, God is in the business of showing himself off to me. Because I have these expectations, but he's always, just always exceeding my expectations of him. And, you know, I'm still on this journey of learning how to be his daughter and what that means. Um, and it's been a little over a year since I realized that that was what, where, how God wants to lead me and where God wants me to be and who God wants me to be. But the one thing that I'm reminded of over and over and over again is that God is never, ever going to be done with me just because I had that one encounter. There's so much more with God. And, you know, when he meets us in our brokenness, he isn't just looking up to patch any cracks on our windshield. You know, he wants to wipe us clean of all our sins. And he wants us to shine so that we can reflect the image of God and be more like him. And so as I close, um, I just want to leave us with some questions to ask ourselves today. And the first one is, are you living your faith journey based on your last big encounter with God? Because, guys, God is not done with us and God is not done with you. You know, he wants to give you so much more than you can imagine or that anyone else can imagine for you. And the second thing is, if you're hurting, um, let's ask the Holy Spirit to enter into that space and heal you because God cares about you. He sees you and he's seen you in your brokenness and in your hurt. And Jesus hasn't forgotten about you because there's something more important than you because there's nothing more important to the father than his child, than his children. So I guess I want to invite the worship team up to just play. And I guess we can bow our heads and just ponder upon those two things. Because sometimes I think we can get really comfortable in our relationship with God just because there was that big moment or we kind of play safe in our salvation, which is great because salvation is real and that's concrete. But there's so much more.
that God wants to reveal to you in your daily life. And, you know, I think sometimes it's good to reflect on what's going on, what God is doing in your life right now, because so many things go unseen, and it did for me also. So let's pray, and let's um, ask the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do.